My name is Chris Cherry, and I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini, and I used to be a spy. And this is Burn Noticed. No, the- it's Burn Bonus. I should never is- let you go first. This is a Burn Bonus episode of Burn Noticed. I, how do I, Chris Cherry, care more about branding than you, Brie Castellini? This is branding. The branding is it's called Burn Bonus. I the mean, bonus episode of Burn Notice. Exactly, but it's not a different show. It is, because it's not in any of the seasons. That doesn't mean it's like a different show. It's in the same feed. It's like... Right, it's in the same feed, but it's ca- classified as a bonus episode, and it has substantial differences, including the intro. Like, if a show does like a Christmas special, it's not a different show. And this but we're is not our- doing a Christmas special. This is non-canonical. I thought, no, this is canonical. I'm going to say right now. This is not a Matt Nix podcast. The fact that we are stepping out of the Burn Notice universe to do episodes on non-Burn Notice TV shows. I think this is a Matt Nix podcast. I mean, it's become that, regrettably. It's become a Matt Nix podcast. Welcome welcome to Daddy's Girls, the Matt Nix podcast. (laughs) We watched Turner and Hooch. Welcome to Call Her Daddy. Oh, uh, after this show, I would. All right. So I would say, would you agree, having watched now the first two episodes? Should of- we explain? I mean, obviously, people probably listened to the last episode, the last burn bonus. But in case they haven't. Sure. We just watched Turner and Hooch, the mm-hmm. new Disney Plus show mm-hmm. that seems to be ran by Met Nix. I think in the past we may have like erroneously attributed to Michael Horowitz, but although... I don't think I actually put any of the episodes that mm. we thought it was Michael Horowitz, because Michael Horowitz, I actually follow on Twitter, and he's been tweeting about it, so yeah. I made an assumption, but yeah, it was yeah, definitely... Yeah, no, totally. It is a Matt Nix joint. Yes. Um, I was exactly how I was going to describe it. I was like, this is for sure a Matt Nix joint. Of course it is. And we just watched it right now. The first two episodes, first both two of episodes, which are out. Which are both out. We drank a good amount while we were doing it. I feel like totally sober. I I feel stone cold sober. I feel like I have been tipsy for five years. (laughs) Chris had several moments during this watch. I did. And we watched Turner and Hooch. And Brie, where does this land for you in the Matt Nix oeuvre? Well, somebody's yelling outside. I mean, I think it's coming from the pool, but I can't quite see. Yeah, no, there's children in the pool. God damn it. There's literally children in the pool like, you know, children do. All right. Well, apologies for audio nonsense, everyone. If there are children hear, in the pool. If you, heal, if you hear children, if you heal children, <laughs> if you hear children, it is because this is a special burn bonus kids edition. <laughs> Daddy watched, Nicks for kids. God. With a, Cause with a watch, Z. Because we watch Turner and Hooch. A show that is ostensibly a children's show i don't know if matt nix knows this yeah that's that's the thing is like we were talking while we were watching about how it very much seems like everyone is like there the cast doesn't seem to be in agreement given that disney and matt nix don't seem to be in agreement about is this a kid's show or not because some people are serving us extremely kids show energy like the dog lady yeah the the, dog whisperer the dog whisperer seems to be in like a children's blues clues style show she seems to be like talking to everyone as if they are preschoolers. Right. And then Josh Peck and several other characters seem to be in like an adult cop show that's just a little bit sillier. Right. Yes. No. So let's very quickly explain. This show 
is a sequel series to the original film Turner and Hooch. This takes place in the Turner and Hooch universe. <laughs> yeah, it's not an adaptation. Uh, Josh Peck is is Tom Hanks Jr. Yes, Tom Hanks Jr. who has recently died. And... Well, the junior hasn't died. Tom oh, yeah, Hanks Tom died. Jr. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is dead. Burn bonus uh, exclusive. Tom exactly. Hanks is fucking dead. Tom Hanks is dead in this movie, and he leaves Josh Peck. His dog, Hooch. It's not the same Hooch. But he reminds him of the old Exactly. Hooch. It's, and it's the same breed of dog. Exactly. And, and like they call the dog Hooch. It is, you know, much like Josh Peck is Turner Jr. The dog is Hooch Jr. But they don't call the dog Hooch Jr. They just call the dog Hooch. Because you can do that with dogs. It's allowed. Yeah. And so unlike his loser dad, Tom Hanks, Josh Peck is a U.S. Marshal. Yeah. Uh, no, this is part of it. Like, <laughs> they make it explicit that after the events of Turner and Hooch, like, Tom Hanks, his character, did fuck all. He is he was a failure. He was basically he, a traffic cop. Exactly. For the rest of his run. Like, you might think, watching Turner and Hooch, that he was going to have, like, a very interesting career after the events of the film. But no. Mm. No. It's just sad. He is like Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. Just kind of pathetic and sad. Um, but And dead. <laughs> and, and fucking dead. But yeah, so fucking the, dead. the premise of Turner and Hooch is that so he his dad died Tom Hanks fucking kicked it and Josh Peck against his will inherits the dog and the dog helps question mark Maybe. him solve crimes the dog is involved in him solving crimes yeah, the so, dog is around uh-huh and it's he, unclear of the dog's powers well we know the dog's powers from the first episode is that he can smell dishonesty exactly but <laughs> And no point during the second episode does he ever smell dishonesty. No. No. So it's unclear. Well, nobody was dishonest in the in the dog episode. That's true. He was, was he was having a tea party. Everyone was very clearly honest in the second episode. We'll get to the second episode, but like we should explain. So, Josh Peck plays a US Marshal who has been on the job for three months, mm-hmm. which is the dumbest amount of time. For him to have been on the job. Either he is like a guy who's a regular guy who's been on the job forever, or it's his first day. Three months makes no sense. Yeah, it makes it very hard to track like his professional status. Like, yeah. Because they keep calling him rookie, but he doesn't feel like a rookie. Because no. like something he that has... Chris pointed out is he has a great rapport with his pregnant partner. Yes, his partner is pregnant. And you know this because every single line of dialogue that she delivers is related to the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be like a there will be like a quick beat without dialogue and she'll be like, wow, that pause was pregnant like me. What? <laughs> Every line is like that. Yeah, her personality is pregnant and yeah. is too good for this show. Exactly. No, she is the best character on the show. Mm-hmm. Easily. Bar none. I mean, I like I like uh, the dog girl. I like dog the girl. the girl the dog girl who seems like completely Here's... in the wrong show. Exactly. No, like, okay. So, best character, pregnant lady. Mm-hmm. Second best character, the dog. Sure. Oh, yeah. Third of best character, the dog girl. Uh huh. Fourth best character. I would say Lindsay Finesca. Yeah, Lindsay Finesca. Because she's the only one that seems invested in, like, the macro plot. Yes, line. there's. Guys, there's a macro plot line. Yeah. I'm sorry that we're drunk for this. <laughs> we thought it was a good idea. Okay, again, I'm fucking stone cold sober. I Don't lump me in with you, little tipsy basic white girl. White Girl Wasted over here does not speak for both of us. Okay, but then 
you're just being messy then. <laughs> I have an excuse for the way that I'm being. I have I haven't done anything differently. I sound totally normal. You're the one that's like swaying around. So, okay. So what happens literally in this show? is that Josh Peck now solves crimes with his dog. And the macro appears to be that Tom Hanks isn't just fucking dead. He was fucking murdered. Mm-hmm. Presumably. Yeah. And the reason that they get on this case is because in addition to leaving the dog to Josh Peck, he had like a big cardboard box of like case Clues. files, a la Michael Weston in season five uh-huh. of Burn Notice. Because... As I have been lectured, this is a burn notice podcast, and it's all canon, so we gotta make a reference to it. His dad was investigating some shit, and Josh Peck, like, for the first episode and a half, is very dismissive of this, because his sister- Josh Peck- Josh Peck's sister, Lindsay Finesca. Does not want to be on this show. And, like, I don't know if Josh Peck, the actor, doesn't want to be on this show, but Josh Peck, the character, Turner Jr., does not want to have anything to do with- Anything involved in the show. Josh Peck does not want to solve cases. Mm -mm. Josh Peck does not want the dog. Josh Peck does not want to solve his dead father's case. Josh Peck doesn't want to do tea parties. Josh Peck does not... Like, everyone else in the show is more active than Josh Peck. Josh Peck's character seems annoyed that he's in a television show. I mean, it's it's honestly very Michael Weston of him. Because Michael Weston always often seems annoyed to be in Burn Notice. In some ways, this is the most Michael Weston lead since Vern Notice. Yeah, it's very true. But yeah, so so like so he has a sister. His sister has a kid, and he has a mom who's now single. And the sister, in addition to giving him the dog, also discovered the the series of files. But Josh Peck is like, well, Dad was a loser. He did one cool thing in his whole stupid life, and then he was just a traffic cop. What this this must just be like a weird like quirky passion project. And Lindsay Finesca, his sister, is like, no, it's got to be something. There's got to be something here. And so they finally go drive out to like follow her hunch, not Josh Peck hunch and that's when we discover that like maybe tom hanks was murdered right. and yeah so like the the, the there's passivity, so many characters in this show there's a lot of characters so like there but it, it's very passive because like the so the pilot episode ends with hooch having smelled the dishonesty on a on a an fbi agent who turned out to so the the first episode's about a a witness from Witsec getting kidnapped and Hooch discovers through the interpretation of Josh Peck that it was an inside job and that one of the FBI guys actually kidnapped him. In true, like, Matt Nick's form, the pilot of this show is also a case of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got to establish things. Exactly. It's like all of the establishing of the story and the characters happens in the first five minutes and we are immediately in just a case. Yeah, we're, it's a very in-media res sort of starting point. But, like, not even in a in-media res, not, like, complications, but, like, in just a, we don't need to spend a lot of time establishing characters. Or well, but, like, that's also, I think, the in-media res also explains him being three months into the job. Right. It's so, it's odd. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, so he solves the case, and instead of him being like, Hooch is great, he should be on all of my cases, his boss... Played by someone we've seen a lot, uh, Anthony Ruiviar. Ruivivar. 
He's in. He's been in a lot of shit. He was in Haunting at Hill House, apparently. Oh, he was in Banshee. I forgot about that. Banshee, the very good Cinemax show that I watched. It's not a good show, but it's it's you I mean, can't he already, look away. He already said it was on Cinemax. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. So go go, go Anthony. Like, but anyways, so the end of the episode, his boss basically, like the chief or who, whatever the hierarchy is for the fucking. U.S. Marshals? U.S. Marshals, whatever. The the big daddy marshal. Yeah. He's like, we're going to actually make you a K-9 unit because it sounds from your like from your report, the dog was pretty cool. So now you do that. But then in the next episode, it starts with him being like, don't fuck this up. You're the new K-9 epi- uh, like, department. He seems like annoyed that he decided that there would be a K-9 unit. Uh-huh. Exactly. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. What Again, are the stakes of this? Because Josh Peck isn't even materially involved in creating the canine unit. Mm-mm. Yeah, he just sort of, like, is put upon. Like, sisters and dad give him dog. Exactly. Partner likes dog. The dog training girl likes dog. They're all being like, take the dog, Josh Peck. And so Josh Peck's like, fine, I'll take the dog. Then his boss is like, the dog is now your partner. Yeah. Or one of your partners. Um, and- For the most part, <laughs> he is annoyed at the dog's existence, except for one moment. Which reminds me, I almost I was going to open the episode this way and I forgot and I okay. feel bad. Okay. But I just want to make sure, and I'm glad that we're getting this on mic. Uh-huh. So I can't go back on it. Sure. Um, Brie, Castellini, you are my forever dog. It's <laughs> fucking offensive. <laughs> Hated yeah. that. No, yeah, there's like, like, it's so weird in that like, he, he has a whole entire arc in the first episode where he learns to love the dog. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have the dog forever. He calls him the forever dog. And the next episode, he immediately hates the dog. Mm-hmm. Well, he re- I think it's less that he hates the dog. It's he resents it. Yeah. Like he resents everything in his stupid life. Right. No. And he resents that his sister wants to solve this like mystery case that his dad was working on. And he resents his mom for being like, you have to keep the dog. And he resents his boss for being like, you have to work with the dog. Josh Peck <laughs> has like an objectively good life. Yeah, his life rocks. He's got a nice apartment with like pictures of thumbprints oh, above you, his bed. I'm glad you brought this up. Insane decor choice. Like, like, oh my, yeah, like above his bed, he has this like artistic rendering of a full like fingerprint mat. Like it's it's so it's ten little boxes in a row, so five on each row, or five five on each five columns, two rows of just fingerprints, and it's you, like blown up, up across the top of his bed. Do you do you think they're his fingerprints? I don't know. Who's the, if they're his fingerprints? Prints insane behavior. If they're an actual person's fingerprints, insane behavior. If they're just like an art piece he commissioned, insane behavior. Every thing. explanation they have is to be whack. Su- they have to be someone's fingerprints, right? I mean, they could just be like a painting. Like somebody, he, he hired somebody to do like an artistic rendering of like, you know, I... Yeah, but I, it seems like it's more work to fake fingerprints than to just get someone's fingerprints. Right, but like... They look like actual fingerprints. And they could be. Insane behavior. I rest my case, Your Honor. So, yeah, so he's no, like... it's obs- 100% insane behavior. He's obsessed with his job. <laughs> he wants to do it exactly one way, and any other way is unacceptable to him. And yet... It's unclear if he's good at his job. Yeah, we can't tell. He's only been there for three months. But, like, <laughs> but he's been there for three whole months. But... But, like, that's the thing. Is that, like... I mean... Three months is the dumbest amount of time the for... Thing the thing that you gotta understand about the U.S. Marshals is that most U.S. Marshal work is boring. Uh, so episode one, there's not really much to remark upon other than like 
Right. Yeah, it's fine. It's not a good episode at all. Yeah, it's just like it's a fucking it's a pilot, and but, like, I was. Charmed. I think we we were. It was a little boring, but we liked the dog. Yeah, we love the dog. It's a yeah, kids yeah. show. Everyone yeah. seems nice. And like so, I like all the actors. Yeah, it's I a like good all cast. the actors. I even like Josh Pack. I think like he's doing good. Yeah, I like Josh Pack. And so we were like, you know what? Let's watch one more. Yeah, because like we, there's not a lot to talk about with episode one. And we were rewarded. We were rewarded. So episode two, I think we need to explain. I th- I think we need to start by saying episode two is called a good day to dog hard. And yes, it's what you think it is. This episode. Okay. So it starts off and Josh Peck has been given babysitting duty of like this rich child who is like the daughter of like one of the members of the Olympic committee. Yeah. So something I, I'll be honest, we were talking a lot. Chris yeah, has been drinking. I know. And, <laughs> and, we, and so the, for whatever reason, like the Olympics committee is meeting in downtown San Francisco, which is where the show is set. Uh-huh. And the U.S. Marshals are there to like keep them safe, either Too just security. generally or because there has been some kind of threat. And, it doesn't matter. And like the daughter of like one of the Olympic officials has requested like Turner and Hooch specifically. Because she met them in the lobby and, the, and Hooch was very cute. And she was like, yeah. oh, I love this dog. And so then Josh Peck is like basically put on kitty duty. Exactly. And they have a tea and party. Already... And it's cute. And the dog wears a tiara. The and dog it's wears cute. a tiara, everybody. And it's very adorable. And at one point, um, Josh Peck's toenails are painted. And it is like debasing his masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although, like, the did you hear the, the other... So, like, the, his main team of humans seems yeah. to be the pregnant partner, whose whole personality is she's pregnant, permacreg, uh-huh. and then this other guy who we can't quite pin down yet, but is, like, obsessed with Hawaii and surfing. It's unclear if he is meant to be Hawaiian. Or a, just a guy who likes the yeah. aesthetic of Hawaii. The actor is not Hawaiian. No. But, like, I think... Casting people could cast them as Hawaiian if they wanted to. But even within the text of the show, it's unclear. It's unclear if he just likes Hawaiian surfer stuff. Who knows? But at the end of the episode, he's like, I like your toenails. Yeah. So, like, it's not painted as a totally, like, emasculating thing. But there's also a thing thing happening where in this episode, like, they are left off the hyper-masculine team. Right. So, like, there is sort of... Like, the A-team is the very masculine team. Yeah, it's all the guys who are, like, balding and bearded. And then there's this little femme team of the pregnant girl, the Hawaiian guy, I guess, and then Josh Peck and his dog. They literally say he's in the team because he doesn't care where he is. (laughs) And so, like, the series of events that leads up to this being an episode of television that deserves the title, A Good Day to Dog Hard, is first, uh, at the tea party, Josh Peck uh, spills the tea on himself because the little girl insists on him having his pinky in the air, and it's apparently he it, needs the pinky to drink exactly. tea. <laughs> like, yeah, he can't just drink a thing of tea without his pinky, apparently. Well, you have to do the proper protocol. Anyway, so he spills the tea on himself, so now he's down to his, like, white tank top. Yes. This is important. We've Chris and I, like sweet baby angels, don't realize what's happening exactly. yet. We don't know what we the title of the episode is. We didn't is. see the episode title. We didn't know. We didn't didn't know you guys we didn't know and so then we skip ahead a little bit of time and he has taken his shoes and socks off to because for whatever reason he's trying oh oh this is i guess important the little girl has trained the dog when she 
says kissy face, the dog launches himself at Josh Peck and like, you know, tackles him and licks his face. Mm -hmm. And so in an attempt to get them to stop playing that game, he's like, just paint my toenails because you can't do kissy face while he's already like sitting down. So he has taken his shoes and socks off and is now barefoot. This is where I start to get suspicious. Um, and then, like, the downstairs thing happens where, like, the people who want something from the Olympics Committee, it's unclear. I guess it's money. Who knows? The actual circumstances of this uh, situation are unclear. Yeah. But a bunch of Russian guys, like, basically kidnap everyone else in the hotel and hold them hostage in, like, hostage the downstairs situation. ballroom. Yes. And, you uh, might say that this is a bad break. Exactly. I even turned to Chris and I was like, do you think they're doing bad breaks? And they kind of, I mean, they did like I a mean, like, version of it. I, I mean, mean, they did Die breaks, Hard. Bad Breaks is a Die Hard. I, I would argue in some ways it's smarter than a Die Hard. We love you, Michael Horowitz. Come on the show. And the, so as Josh Peck is like on the phone and the hostage situation is happening, in the background, we hear the sound of a glass shatter. And this is when I turned to Chris and said, this is a Die Hard thing. He's barefoot, and I just heard a glass shatter. I think they're going to do a diehard thing. And Chris was like, ah, interesting. I don't know. And then we cut back to Josh Peck, and he instantly steps on the broken glass. And I was like, we're doing... And then that's when we both put together that he's wearing a white tank top and that there are terrorists taking over, like, this hotel. And we were like, holy shit, it's diehard. They're just doing a diehard. They're full-on doing a diehard. And the real kicker comes from the the girl's name that he's protecting. Oh, yeah. He like, sends her to the roof, like, for most of the episode. But her name... There's other stuff. They call him a cowboy a lot. Yeah, they do call him a cowboy a lot. But the real kicker... Like, but it builds this. I want to make very clear that this happens, like, the thing that you're about to talk about happens, like, a good two-thirds of the way through the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the climax of... All the dieharding that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, not the cli- I would argue that that our boy Reggie's the, the oh, we'll climax. Get, yeah, that's true. That's and I have a thing to reveal to you about this. Oh my god. Okay. So the little girl that he's protecting, who he was mostly resentful of, and then was like, "All right, I have to protect you. Go up to the roof." Uh, and then for some reason doesn't leave the dog with her because she convinces him, like, "No, you need the dog more than me." The literal child being left defenseless and out in the open. Good logic, child I person. Mean, to be fair. Like, do we know that this dog won't just cause her more trouble than harm? Like, or do we know anything? No, No, but I mean, like, you've got a child, like a fucking, like, maybe like at most 11 year old child. You're going to like put her in charge. Younger than 11. I said at most. Okay. Like she's younger than 11, but she's like, I would say at most she's nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I mean, nine is more likely. Mm -hmm. I'm giving, I was giving a ceiling. Your ceiling's too high. We're not going to be able to sweep those. The cobwebs are going to be overwhelming. Anyway. Anyway, the girl's name is Kaya. The girl's name is Kaya. And at one point, Josh Peck says in dialogue, in response to some goddamn thing, yippee, Kaya's in trouble or something like that. Yippee, Kaya in trouble. Or something like that. Something that... We had to pause. Chris had to have like a moment. She like paced down my apartment was like it was it was too much it was just like it was so sweaty it was so pained like there's so many easier ways for someone you can just say yippee kaye it's not hard that's no, actually it's so much i see but like, i loved it no, um, no, no. unobjectively I love it. no i love it too i love it because it's so much it's so much more work than they needed to do like they could have someone could have just said yippee kaye i do 
like that, no one, no one ever mentions that a Die Hard is happening. <laughs> like, it's not like on Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they couldn't shut up about Die Hard. Mm-hmm. They do a whole Die Hard and no one not once mentions Die Hard, which makes me think that Die Hard does not exist in this universe. It can't. And as we know, because there's the, the the next couple episode titles are already revealed and like they're all dog puns based on other action movies. And so what we're really hoping is that every single episode of this show is a parody of another action movie. And uh, this just in, listeners, I will be watching the rest of this show. I'm I'm fucking in. I'm in. Uh, but anyway, so Reginald Val Johnson's also in this episode. Yes, also, <laughs> at the very end of this episode, Reginald Val Johnson is in the episode because Reginald Val Johnson was in Turner and Hooch and Die Hard. Yeah, so it was the perfect marriage. And uh, he's in 11 episodes of this show. Reginald Bell Johnson is a regular. Reginald Bell Johnson is a regular on this television show. Yes, he is. He's in more episodes than Pregnant Partner. Oh, wow. Well, or at eventually... least of the ones that have been like listed on IMDb. And like sometimes the more ex- like famous people's IMDb's gets updated faster. Right. Well, she might have the baby. Also the girl from Although Stick we don't it know. We also Lee. did like speculate that maybe she will never have the baby <laughs> that she will be forever pregnant um i believe permapreg. the, the permapreg is the correct terminology thank you so much um because like that's her only character trait i don't know what they're gonna do with the character once she has the baby well presumably they write her out for a couple of episodes and he's just stuck with the dog and hawaiian guy oh my god but the, yeah then the only woman would be the like dog trainer lady and the sister the sister seems extremely involved in the like the sister is very important in the show there's so many moving parts yeah it's like they do not need to have this many characters and it's also hilariously certainly the highest budget project matt nix has ever worked on matt Matt nix has disney plus money so we could do more car car chases and explosions and stuff Mm -hmm. and like on on the turner and hooch adaptation (laughs) Uh, no, it's not an adaptation, Chris. It's a sequel. It's a sequel. It's, it's a, a sequel on series. The Tur- on the Turner and Hooch sequel series. Oh, it was beautiful. So how are we placing this on the Mike... Mike. <laughs> on the Mike? How, no, how are we... I was going to call him Mike Nix. How, where are we placing Turner and Hooch on the Matt Nix, like, psychopathy scale? Like, where, what, do we, what do we know about Matt Nix now that we didn't before? Um, we know that Matt Nix is incapable of writing anything other than the thing that Matt Nix writes. And mm-hmm. that, like, he was given the chance to do, like, a children's show. Mm-hmm. And he just still wrote, like, it is, I feel like it is tonally indistinguishable. From the good guys? From the good guys. Yeah, it's, and, and the funny thing is the, the, the Hanks connection. Right, exactly. But, like, it is totally indistinguishable from the good guys. There is less references to people having sex. Mm-hmm. Although there's a couple. There's a couple, but there's less. Yeah, like, there, there's the classic person with a new dog is being woken up by the dog licking them while they have a sex dream. Right. Did you miss that? No, I missed that. Yeah, that happens in episode one. Because that was when he realized the dog had broken through, like, the confines of the kitchen he'd locked him in. But yeah, no, I feel like... Josh Peck's also, Peck also has an ex that I think we're going to meet because he's talked about her twice now in like very expositional dialogue. Mm. Like A lot of very expositional dialogue mm-hmm. on the show. I mean, maybe the, the in-media res of like being three months in, et cetera, et cetera, is like an attempt to not have to do that much exposition and just hope that we'll like figure it out. Mm-hmm. 
Which is good, because Matt Nix is not good at exposition. No, he is not. Matt Nix also wrote both of these episodes. Yes. Confirmed he wrote both of them. Uh, I assume Michael Horowitz will get an episode eventually. Oh, he definitely will. Who, um, who, who's writing Diamonds Are Forever? That's right. There's one called Diamonds Are Forever. That's, that's the next episode. That is, and is presumably, it better be a James Bond parody. Uh, he's tracking down a notorious jewel thief. Ooh. Is according so the logline is uh, Scott tracks down a notorious jewel thief and Hooch gets obsessed with a squeaky toy. Love that for him. Oh, I do love that for him. Hooch is great. I adore Hooch. Uh, the writing credit is so far it's just created for television by Matt Nix, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that necessarily means Matt wrote it. No, yeah, they probably don't have writer credits yet. Like they only have the ones for the episodes that are out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we usually don't. We don't unless it's like a show they're really hyping like a lot of times we don't get a particular episode writing credits ahead of time the guy who directs next week's episode jay karras karras uh has done superstore parks and rec brooklyn 99 like he, right. he's in the right i also should mention version. that the pilot is directed by mick g oh yeah you were gonna tell me who the hell that is mick g is mostly known for making the the Charlie's Angels movies and Terminator Salvation. Why is his name Mick G? I don't know. I've never looked into it. He was born in Kalamazoo as Joseph McGinty Nickel. Yeah, no, that's just his like nom de plume he directs. He as... does not look like a Mick D. No, he doesn't. Well, he doesn't look like a Mick D because he's a Mick G. Whatever. He looks a lot more like a Joseph McGinty Nickel. I know, that's why he's going as Mick G because that like makes him stand out because otherwise he's just a guy. His trademarks on uh, IMDb are fast cars, lengthy tracking shots, and tough female characters. Yeah. He has a uh, BA in psychology from the University of California, Irvine. Good for him. Good for Mick G. Former boy, boyfriend of Bridget Moynihan? Who mm. the hell's Bridget Moynihan? I don't know. Uh, he also was like, before he did Charlie's Angels, he was a very well-known music video director. Yeah, although I see that. I, yeah, although I'm blanking on top of my head of the videos that he did. But that was how he got to start. It was like during that time in the 90s where like a lot of people who are music video directors made the jump to like films. Mm-hmm. Hang on. There's a quote on McG's page that's extremely funny. It's fun to hate a guy called McG. In my humble opinion, it's sheer fucking lunacy because it's just short for McGinty. Fucking get past it. My name is Joseph McGinty Nickel. My mother's maiden name is McGinty. My, my uncle was Joe. My grandfather was Joe. I was called McG since the day I was born because we were broke and there were three Joes in the house. There's no Hollywood. I think I'll give myself a nickname bullshit. It just is. And at some point, I would be a sellout punk if I rolled over and said, well, call me Joe. And I've had suffer through teachers in the third grade saying look no vowels and i suffer a bit for it now i can only sigh and move forward where did this quote come from he's so mad <gasps> calm got, down joe he's got a mick chip on his shoulder <laughs> i had no idea that he was so like that about it Ooh. Uh, he also has a quote about Christian Bale. Christian's a good guy. Don't accuse him of being a bad guy because he's not. He loves his family. He has no entourage. He's an actor's actor and he operates from a place of passion. Seems like something you say when there's something fucked up about that guy. I mean, there is something fucked up about that guy. We all know it. You know it. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Oh my God. But yeah, so Turner and Hooch. I have, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this is honestly... 
what good guys should have been. I think what works about this show is similar to what works about Burn Notice in that like he is being restricted by a thing that he has to do and it makes it it forces him to do a better show. So like Burn Notice isn't about cops, so he's forced to like use people's words and character development to make more interesting choices to solve cases of the week. And this show is a kid's show, not an adult show. So he can't be as uber violent and his sort of like natural comedic leanings get to be a, have a little bit more space. Although a human being does fall four flights of stairs. And then he's fine. And then they and do some fine. little jokey jokes about exactly, it. Exactly, because it's, it's a cartoon. Right, but like I, I think that that's why it works. Because it's, a, it it's is- like... Something we said off mic um, is that, like, it's perfect for him because his worldview was so childish, and now he's making a children's show. Exactly. Like, it's, it's much the, more at home here. It fits his sensibilities. Yes. And so, like, even though he seems to not be making a children's show, even though he does not seem to know how to make a children's show, even though it seems like he fundamentally does not understand children, <laughs> his mind is so childlike. That it's kind of perfect. That it's kind of perfect. Brie Castellini. Yeah. We all know that you love Burn Notice. I do. And it is your favorite baby. And you would never say anything less than something great about Burn Notice. So we're going to take Burn Notice. We're going to put it aside over here. Mm -hmm. I put it in the corner. I put it to the right. It's doing fine. Mm -hmm. Besides Burn Notice, what is your favorite Matt Nix television show? We've seen all of the pilots now. We have seen all of the pilots now. It's a bummer for us. I mean, I guess the good guys? Because I didn't keep watching any of them. Well, no, of course. If the good guys was on a streaming platform and wasn't something I had to purchase to watch, I might have watched one or two more of that mm-hmm. show. But yeah, I mean, comedians, fuck no. No. Fuck. Uh, APB complications, fuck no. no. Um, I mean, The Gifted, I I was underwhelmed. I know you've seen more of that show. I, mean, I, I saw have. like one more episode. I, but like, still more. I do think it's like, I think The Gifted is the best not- I think it's Burn Notice at the top, mm-hmm. then The Gifted. Interesting. Then Turner and Hooch. I would have put Turner and Hooch second row. I mean, all around. We, we haven't seen enough of that one to That's really true. make a decision. Because um, yeah, I, I think the problem with The Gifted is that like a lot of those shows right now, they're just not having a lot of fun. And I feel right. like Matt Nix wasn't having a lot of fun. I will say like The Gifted suffers. The first episode of The Gifted suffers because... It is an episode of television about the dad, who I think is a less important character. Sure. The second episode of The Gifted, like, is centers Amy Acker. Ooh. And so and then it becomes clear that, no, this is going to be a show that's more about Amy Acker. And I think that's the thing that makes... I just like Amy Acker. I like seeing her do stuff. And so, like... Not enough I, to keep watching that show, though. I mean, not enough. But, like, you know, enough for me to rank it at the top. I mean, Amy Acker does really heighten everything. She does. So, yeah. But I do think it's The Gifted, Turner and Hooch, The Good Guys. Mm -hmm. Just because it's the most, like, Mm good-hearted. You know? Like, it's still a cop show, and it's still a cop show about, like, cops flagrantly disregarding, like, things that protect the citizens from cops. But, you know, it's... It's lighthearted. It's, it's fine. lighthearted. It's and fun again, stuff. It's his... And they're not... They're, like, even though they're, like, hero guys, they're not depicted as, like, they're always right. No, They're, they're depicted the... as they're just doing their best. Well, because that's the whole premise of the show is that they are the kind of 
they're the shitty cleanup crew. They're like mm-hmm. not. They stumble into situations and somehow make exactly. it out because of their ineptitude and not because of their competency. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, so good guys. Then where do we go from there? Then it's all just bad. I don't even like. I you can't. It's a then it's like what a three way tie for last APP complications and the comedians. So that's the only other shows we watched. No, those are all the shows. That's all the shows. Yeah, I'm checking this IMDb. Those that's those are the shows. Those those are the shows. It's interesting that like Burn Notice is the only show he's ever done that's gotten more than two seasons. Mm -hmm. Yes, we don't know what's gonna happen with Turner and fucking who. That's true, and it's you know it's got heart, kid. It's got heart, and. Like, he's found his ceiling. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just, he seems like a nice guy. But I feel like he needs a writing partner who, like, has lived in the world as not a Mm -hmm. white man. Yeah. Who is the great-grandchild of, like, a 1920s screenwriter. Do you know that about Matt Nix? He's the great... He, he, it's, it, there's, uh, yeah, so he's the great grandson of Harry Chandley, who was like a screenwriter, director, um, editor of a lot of stuff in the 20s or in the, in the 1915 all the way through 1949. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, he, he is, there's some nepotism here. Cause I was trying to figure out as I was watching the disaster show that was APB and complications, like, where did this dude fucking come from? Who let him in? And it's like, oh, it's a family thing. Right. Of so course. he had some kind of connections or nepotism that gave him this opportunity. Yeah. And now any nonsense like, it's cops, but high tech. It's cops, but... But it's also, to be fair, like, Burn Notice ran for seven seasons? Mm-hmm. For seven seasons, like, if you can make a show that runs for seven seasons, like... You're a more of a sure thing than someone who didn't do that. Sure, but like these shows are, shows are fucking bad. Well, they, they're not good shows, and also the premises don't even make sense. You like, say that like that's that, a factor. I mean, what is the pitch? Like the pitches, I don't know. I like, would say APB. It would it would go for me. APB comedians complications because I yeah I. I think APB, despite it being, like, offensive for us to have watched, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think it was a better constructed narrative and yeah. had more legs. And it was interesting that it was based on a real situation. And, like, Justin Kirk was just doing Robert Downey Jr., but it was a decent Robert Downey I mean, Downey we Jr. like Robert Downey Jr. Exactly. It was a decent impression. Yeah. Uh, and then the comedians, just because, like, even though I don't think that show is either of our tastes and there was some uh, transphobia, but like, the yeah. show itself, I mean, it's doing what it was supposed to do. I mean, That's yeah, what was, that show wanted to do and they did it. I mean, yeah, it was terrible and bad, but, you know, it wanted to be terrible and bad. Exactly. And then Complications is just bad. Yeah. So, yeah, so the actual order that he made these shows in was Good Guys first? No, that doesn't make sense. He did, okay, Burn Notice first. Well, yeah, obviously Burn Notice Then first, Good so Guys, then. right after Burn Notice. Then Comedians. Like, during Burn Notice. Really yeah. Was, yeah, well, he was doing Good Guys during Burn Notice as well. Exactly. Because Burn Notice went through yeah, that's what I meant. 2013. Yeah. I mean, comedian, no, Comedians wasn't um, Burn Notice, uh, during Burn Notice. No, I meant Good Guys. Yeah, so Good Guys was during Burn Notice. After Burn Notice was Comedians, then was Complications, then was APB, then was The Gifted, then was Turner and Hooch. So the trajectory seems that he's he getting a little out? bigger. Yeah, exactly. He seems he's, like he's getting a little more competent. I mean, The Gifted got two seasons. Yeah. So that's a, you know, an improvement. It is an improvement. Certainly. Well done, Big Daddy. 
well done Big Daddy. And like, I feel like oh. we gone. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say I, there's only a, one other thing of trivia on Matt Nix's IMDb page that we've never talked about, and it's that he is the voice on "We Got a Burn Notice on You." You're blacklisted. So the thing that we hear every time Burn Notice, the Burn Notice opening happens, he's the guy that says, we've got a Burn Notice on you, you're blacklisted. I had no idea. I didn't either. I'm glad that we learned that. I'm glad that I know that and I have that in my brain and in my soul. And that's good for me. Mm -hmm. And like now, whenever I hear it, I'll be like, that's daddy. (laughs) It's daddy singing us to sleep. And I feel like we have given Matt Nix a lot of shit. On this show, mm-hmm. we've given Matt Nix a lot of shit in the last two episodes. Yep. And that's deserved. Mm-hmm. And he knows that. But, <laughs> like, on, I want him to remember when he listens to this. When he definitely listens to this show. I mean, if there was a podcast dedicated to me, I would listen to it. After the shit we've said about him? I mean, like, at the very least... Have my assistant listen to it. Well, Michael Horowitz did. Exactly. <laughs> um, I I want him to remember that he is still daddy. He is daddy. He is daddy. And he never won't be daddy. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. I do like Herder Hooch. I'm going to keep watching it. It's corny as hell. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to watch every episode. And I will let you tell me what happens. As is, as, this is the way. This is the way. You know, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. We're, you know, it's all the same thing now. It's all we're integrating. Uh, if anybody has any other ideas for bonus episodes, please let us know because we're out of Daddy Nick's shows. We are out of Daddy Nick's shows. We maybe should have done this next season, but okay. I'm kind of glad we're done with it. And now we have a sense of the man's psychology to mm-hmm. go into season six. Right. Which I have allegedly seen. I definitely have. And I have also allegedly seen part of season seven. That's wild. I know, but I have have no memory of it. It was like 15 years ago. You were watching Burn Notice in... Burn Notice? You were watching Burn Notice in 2013? That seems wild. I guess it wasn't 15 years ago. That doesn't make sense. No, yeah, I must have been. Because I was in college during then, and, I, and the tweets were from college. Because I, 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 the the Wayback Machine, or not the Wayback oh, yeah, Machine, yeah. the, um, the time, hop. No, yeah, time, time Hop. No, Time Hop. Time Hop. Got time Hop. I have Time Hop, and I saw a series of tweets from myself watching Bernona's season seven. And it, it must have been like 2012, 2013. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, yeah, so maybe this will be the last burn bonus before next season. Maybe there will be another one if any of you uh, slackers mm-hmm. give us a good idea. Exactly. Um, otherwise, we love you very much. Daddy, thank you, Daddy. Thank you to Vincent Daddy, E.L. thank you, Daddy. <laughs> thank you to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at vincentel.bandcap.com. And thank in- you, Genderless Daddy. And until next season, b- bye. My forever dog breathes. <laughs> <laughs>